Um, we have, all of us, an individual perspective of who God is about um, what his love is like. Um, and it's really, really crucial that when we come together, we bring that with us and we contribute as a whole. So we were talking um, last week, I think, was Tim was talking about how when we come together as, as the corporate, we, we each carry, carry our own level of anointing, but we step up that much higher when we all engage together. Um, so the picture that, that that kind of brought to mind, it's an illustration I've heard used before, and I thought it works perfectly. It's a whole bunch of blind people trying to describe an elephant by only touching one part of it. So, you know, you've got one person who's describing a trunk. Oh, an elephant is a big, long tube that's muscular and has a mouth at the top. Um, or an elephant is four big tree trunk kind of things, um, which are the legs. Or a thin, swishy tail in front of a big, fat bum. Um, and the truth is, an elephant is all of those things and more. Um, so we have our own perspective of God. We have our own idea about what God is like. And that's true, but it's part of the whole. And we need to come together you know, to get the full picture. Um, so, the other part to that is our own idea or our own experience of God is our own, for want of a better word, subjective experience. It's, it's what we've personally walked through with God. It's the revelation we've got from Him. Um, and that's really, really key. It's really, really important. Um, but there's... There's this combination we have to bring of, of our own revelation and what's in here. Um, this, as you know, obviously, is the Bible, but it's written by God. We reaffirm that it's written by God. It's written by people, but God inspired them to write the message. So we know that this is inspired by God. The Bible actually makes that claim itself. So if the Bible's going to say anything about the character of God, we should trust that it's true. So our personal revelation of God, our personal understanding of who he is, is vitally important because we need to have a dynamic, living relationship with him. Otherwise, it's just dry information that we've got. But it will not contradict what he's revealed in his word because he doesn't contradict himself. Um, so if you have a picture of God, as like a lot of people do in the world, of this big old man with a stick ready to whack you when you do something wrong, that's really not consistent with what's in here. Once we have a revelation of grace and understanding of, of, how he, of, of what he's like, and my time thing completely failed, that's all right. So what I thought we would do, because I love to come back to what the Bible says, is we're going to do a bit of a hop, skip and a jump through the Bible. So if you've got Bibles or iPads or whatever with Bibles on them, um, I want to pull them out and what I want to do is look at some of the verses and there's a, you know, there's a lot in here. We're only going to look at some about what his character is like, his love basically and we sang about that earlier on. Um, so first of all, going right to the back almost, 1 John 4, 8. Is... I might just go 7 and 8, actually. I've actually given this to our kids as their memory verse for this week. So, <laughs> Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love 
does not love God because God is love. He is the definition of love itself. Um, I could pretty much finish there. Uh, <laughs> going to keep going because there's more to discover. Um, flick backwards to Matthew, Matthew 5. Uh, Matthew 5.48, that will be. I feel like I'm the only one that's flicking pages. Um, I'm the only one with the paper Bible. There you go. Um, so this is in the middle of, of Jesus talking about loving your enemies and, and all the rest of it. And he says, You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So I'm going to park the you must be perfect thing for a minute. Um, we'll come back to that. But our Father in heaven is absolutely perfect. There's, there's no fault, no blemish. Uh, he is the epitome of perfection. He's the epitome of love. Uh, and we're called to be like that. Uh, Psalm 68. I told you were going to run around a bit. Um, verse, well, the whole of it's good, but I've gone past it. I think that's 86, actually. 86 would be helpful instead of 68. So, Psalm 86, uh, 15. You, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So, His love, He is faithfulness, He is perfect. Um, obviously, we all know John 3:16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, whoever would believe in Him and not perish. Um, Romans 5, 8. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So, you know, his love again. You, you, are you picking up a theme? Um, Psalm 86, sorry, Psalm back to 68, that's what that was. 86. Slow down. Psalm 68 verse 5 talks about him being a father to the fatherless, um, a protector of widows, um, so, and the, the last one I want to go to um, is Galatians. Last one for now. So there is more. Um, Galatians 4, 5 to 7. I'm just going to read it because I've got it on my page. God has given us his spirit, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you're no longer slaves, but a son. And if you're a son, then an heir through God. And that son thing is, is not kind of a, it's, it's not a gender thing. It's It's children, it's inheritors, it's, it's heirs in the kingdom. Um, so we're not, we're not slaves anymore. We're, we're not kind of under this hard task, Master. We are co-heirs with Christ. As Tim was talking about the other week, that, basically, that literally means co-signatories with God. So we partner with him and it's, it's us working with him in tandem that bring about the advancement of the kingdom. Um, so I just wanted to come back to the Abba Father thing for a couple of minutes. Um, I think most people here know, but Abba is Papa, Daddy. The guy who created the whole universe by saying, let there be light, let there be wind and trees and things like that, the one who's so powerful that he's the commander of armies and armies of angels, we get to call him Papa. We get to sit up on his lap and tell him about our day. And he gives us 100% of our attention 
because that's the connection that we have with him. That's how important you are to him. That's how important you are to him. It's, that's the honour that we hold in his eyes. That, that makes sense. Um, so imagine a, a young child, right? Completely secure in a, in a, in a loving, secure environment. Imagine the, the most perfect family relationship you could imagine. That child's not worried about when they, what they're going to eat, whether, the, whether or not they have clothes. Um, they've got all that stuff because mum and dad sort that out. They, they know that, so they're not worried about that. And I'd love that to be our experience. In fact, it should be our experience. Jesus tells us that it should be our experience. But most of us carry some kind of wounding from the past, whether that be um, abuse, neglect. We all live currently in a slightly imperfect world and we all carry our own wounds and we all, um, our relationships are affected by that. And that's part of being, being human. But what I'm not trying to say is my parents up the back abused me or anything like that. No, it's not. <laughs> um, no I, I'm quite proud to say that I have amazing parents. Um, but, you know, they would also be the first to say they're not perfect because there's only one perfect father and that's Jesus. There's only one perfect person who's ever walked the planet and that's Jesus. Um, but we are actually called to be more and more like Jesus. We're called to be Christ-like um, and that's the pursuit, that's, that's the Christian pursuit. The Christian life is to, to pursue Jesus, to pursue love and to become more and more Christ-like. Um, we're meant to do more than just reflect his glory, reflect his love. We're meant to do more than just come and worship and get tanked up and go, yeah, that's awesome and go out into the world and kind of slowly get drained out and so that come... Saturday, you're like, I can't wait for church so I can get revived again. We're actually meant to do more than reflect him. We're meant to carry his presence with us and change the world. Um, and that's what Tim's talking about. What, what we've been unpacking throughout this year is our personal destiny, our corporate destiny, um, and that allows us to really be the head, not the tail, as we were talking about in Deuteronomy. Um, So, coming back to that child of, of not that child who doesn't worry about what he's what he's going to wear, what he's going to eat, because his parents, her parents, have absolutely everything sorted. Um, imagine living like that. Just just imagine for a moment that you don't have a worry in the world, not a single thing, and that God's got it covered. I'd like to say that that's my reality 100% of the time, but I'm, you know, I'm working towards it. We're, we're getting closer. Um, Jesus actually suggests, says quite plainly, this is actually how we should live. Um, I'll get you to go to Luke 12. There's a parallel passage in, in um, Matthew 6, but I'm going to read out this one. Luke 12, 22 to 34. Um, I know that's a big chunk of scripture, but we can do that. It's church after all. Um, he says to his disciples, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, about what you'll eat, about your body, what you'll put on. 
Life is more than food. The body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap, yet God gives them exactly what they need. I'm slightly paraphrasing. Um, which of you... This, this one's a key verse for a lot of people in, in society, especially Western society these days. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And yet anxiety is a massive problem in our society. Anxiety often about what I'll wear, what, what, whether I've got enough money to pay the bills, um, whether I'm accepted. Anxiety is a massive mental health issue in our society. And yet Jesus is going, well, which of you by worrying can even extend your life by an hour? I can tell you from a healthcare perspective, worry actually has, or anxiety has the opposite effect. You're more likely to become unwell and you're more likely to be plagued by a whole bunch of health, physical health conditions if you live a, an anxious life. Um, and so therefore you're more likely to get to an early grave. So... <laughs> He's basically saying, well, don't, just stop it. You know, for what if that's a reference to, anyway, we'll move on. Um, so look at, uh, keep, keep going, yeah, I've lost where I was. Consider the lilies, how they grow, they don't toil or spin. Yet even Solomon, who was possibly the greatest king that Israel ever saw, certainly the richest, um, he wasn't arrayed in, his splendor wasn't anything like these. My paraphrase. But if God clothes the grass, which is alive today, then thrown into the, the, the oven tomorrow, how much will he clothe you? Do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink. Don't be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things. Your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Um, Matthew 6 says, Seek first his kingdom, and all these things will be added. Fear not. I love this passage. Fear not, little flock. For your fathers, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with treasure in heaven that does not fail. Where no thief and no moth destroy, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So he's not, I'm not telling you go and sell everything you have right now. That's not what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> I am saying he's got everything you need and he's going to provide everything you need. Seek first what he's got for you, what your destiny is. Go and pursue your destiny. Go and start walking more and more into the things that you are uniquely wired for. And you'll start to see provision come in because that's the way the kingdom operates. If he tells you to sell everything and go and move to the middle of Africa, he's going to give you the provision to make that happen. If you're going out of some kind of religious obligation of I must suffer for the kingdom, you probably find resource will be really hard to come by and become be a, a huge amount of resource gathering effort that you have to go to in order in order to fulfill what you feel God is putting on your heart. So it has to come out of relationship. Um, and then that's when we start to step into our destiny. That's when we start to really see his provision come in. We are the... Um, oh, I've written down here another verse that's really key for this. 1 Peter 5.7 Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. So just lay it out there and go, God, I'm really stressed about this. Give it to him. It might be that you, you write it down. You write it down and say, God, okay, I'm worried about 
how I'm going to pay this bill. I'm worried about whatever it is. Just give it to him and go, help me. Sometimes you might need some help. Help me to give it to you. Um, and as you start to do that and make that a daily habit of, of giving him the things that you are stressed about, you'll notice an increase in his peace, an increase in his presence, and it'll be so much easier to walk aware of him. Um, just imagine if every single one of us was healed, was whole, and was completely worry-free and completely in love with Papa God. Just, just us in this room. What would Sydney look like? Because Jesus had 12 disciples. There were about 120 in the upper room when, uh, I think, when, when the Holy Spirit um, was poured out at Pentecost. But that relatively small number of people changed the face of the world. We are here today because of them, because of what Jesus did and because of them following the direction of the Holy Spirit. So imagine what our city would look like if all of us were so completely worry-free, completely filled with the Spirit, completely in love with Papa and completely about our Father's business. Um, just... Um, I don't know, putting that out there as a... It's meant to be an encouragement, not a downer. So <laughs> don't take it as a downer. Um, I've got down here something which I think is a really, really key point. Um, God's love is not conditional. Uh, we all have very, very different fathers. Um, some of our fathers are absolutely brilliant. Some were really involved. Some were really absent. Um, but... God's love is not conditional. He's always present. He always wants to be with us. He always loves being with us. See, if God's love was conditional, then it wouldn't make sense for him to have sent Jesus while we were still in our sin. He loved us despite our sin. He goes, you know what? I love Cameron so much that I'm going to send my son to die for him so that he's got the opportunity to be in relationship. Uh, I, I love Pat so much that, you know, that's how much he loves us. It's, it's got nothing to do with what we do. It's who we are. It's who he's made us to be. Um, and by the same token, our righteousness as Christians has got nothing at all to do with what we do. Our righteousness is because of what Jesus did on the cross. So his righteousness has been given to us. So I can live according to that righteousness very much recommended. I can live as someone who's healed and whole, who's in love with God and wants to see his kingdom come and wants to see the, the lives of the people around me really impacted by the love of God. Or I can choose to go, okay, that was great, God, thank you. I know I'm healed. I know I'm uh, set free. So that means, hey, I'm free to go and do this over here, which the Bible says don't do. Yes, you're free to do it, but you know, you're free now to be righteous, whereas before you, to, to live a righteous life, whereas before you weren't free to live a righteous life, you were bound in sin. So that's the difference. Our, our righteousness is not about what we do, our righteousness actually comes from God and enables us to live as righteous people. And I'm going completely off on a tangent, but I think it was a good one. Um, <laughs> um, and it's really, really key because it blows out of the water this whole thing of works-based righteousness. Um, 
Now, we're called to, to do the work of the kingdom, absolutely. And that's why James says, you know, um, faith without works is dead. We, we are called to do the stuff of the kingdom. We're called to step up into our destiny. We're called to, to really advance the kingdom of God. But it's not out of this striving to become righteous. It's because we are righteous. It's because we are loved. And it's because we know who our daddy is. Um, and he's the one who set us free. Um, right back, right back to creation. Um, yes, God is the one who, who created us. He's, he created us for two things, for, for relationship and for rulership. So we are created to be in relationship with Papa God. The birds, the trees, the fish, everything like that, uh, to the best of my knowledge, they don't have a relationship with the Father. But we have been placed on this earth with the unique position of being, as Psalm says, a little lower than God himself. Um, which, when we get that into our heads, is something that, you know, I, I need more revelation of that, of what that actually means. Um, because when we start living like that, like we are really what creation is about. Relationship, not we personally, but relation, our relationship with God is what creation is about. And he gave us this mandate in the garden of having dominion or having rulership. Um, it's not a control thing. It's a authority thing. It's probably not a good distinction. But we are called to be caretakers of the planet. We're called to be um, stewards of what we've got. So Christians should be at the forefront of... Uh, environmental protection um, things because we should be living according to the mandate that God has given us. That doesn't necessarily... Oh, I'm not going to go off on that tangent. <laughs> um, so... I'm going to skip that bit. Um, again, I'm going to come back to God being that amazingly... If you get this into your head, how amazing God is how powerful he is that, you know, there are legions and legions of angels who are at his beck and call and yet he wants to know you. He wants you to know his heart. Um, he was the one who was walking in the garden with Adam and Eve going, hey, tell me about your day. It's like Sarah, who, who's often running around, here during worship, I had a beanie at one stage tonight. Um, she will sit down. We'll, we'll sit down at dinner, and she'll go, "Daddy, tell me about your day." And I'll be halfway through a couple of sentences. All right, um, Mummy, tell me about your day. Um, but she wants to know. She wants to connect because I haven't been home all day. I've been at work, so she wants to connect with what was important to you today because I want it to be important to me. And that's what Papa God is like. That's what Daddy God is like. He wants us to come to him and tell him about the things that are important to you. Because if they're important to you, they're important to him. So one thing I want you guys to do this week is to practice doing that. One, practice giving him the things that are worrying you. But start off with 
coming. However it works for you, you might, uh, you might picture him up on the throne, in the throne room, and you just come running up like a little kid, going, pick me up, Daddy. And he picks you up and sits you on his lap. And then he says to you, tell me about your day. Or it might be that <clears throat> for you, it's, it's more of a picture of you know, walking through the garden, walking through nature. What, whatever it is for you, however you connect with God, um, whatever your God space is, so to speak, uh, I want you really encourage you, get into that space every day this week, connect with him and just listen to him say, hey, tell me about your day. I want to know what was important to you. And then listen to what he says in reply. Because he's going to tell you what he saw in your day. He's going to see, you know, when, when you go for a walk and you see a flower and that the beauty of it strikes you or there's some massive cloud formation, you're like, whoa, that's just amazing. Thank God for it. When you see a rainbow in the sky, thank him that he's promised he put that there as a reminder to us that he's never going to flood the earth again. You know, little, every little thing that you see throughout the, 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 uh, the day, just let it be a constant reminder to you that God is constantly speaking to you. And thank him for those things. Build that connection. Um, and as part of that, go, hey, this is, if there's anything that's really worrying you, causing you to be anxious, then lay it down. Give, give it to him. And let him give you his peace in return. So we, we know what happened after Eden, after the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve are walking there. It's, it's brilliant. It's amazing time. And there's one thing, only one thing that they're not supposed to do. Of course, we know that happened. Um, and sin... That, that was sin. Sorry, death, disease, suffering, disconnection from God are all the result of that original sin. Um, so ever since that point in time, even though God knew it was coming because he's outside of time and he saw it all before he even said, let there be light, but he loves us so much that he wants us to choose to love him, so there had to be a choice not to love him. There's a whole other message. Um, <clears throat> so... Even though he knew that was coming, he put that choice there and he's been yearning for reconnection with us ever since. Absolutely yearning for it. And Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was necessary because death is the result of sin. And that, that sacrifice on the, on the cross has actually enabled a reconnection with the Father. And the Holy Spirit living in us is a constant re-enabler, constant reminder to us that we are his kids, that he lives in us. The God of the universe lives in your heart. Just let that sink in for a bit. Um, I don't think we should ever lose the wonder at that, that, that the God of the universe actually lives inside of you individually um, and that should just blow you away all the time and if it doesn't just get God to remind you get God to show you what that means get one get amazed by the wonder of God but two get amazed by how intimate and how 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 intimate he wants to be with us um, 
Now, one of the ways that God tried, uh, got tried, not tried, God did move towards his people to reconnect after the fall was um, first the tabernacle in the wilderness, but then Solomon's temple. When they dedicated Solomon's temple and the Holy Spirit came, his Shekinah glory, the visible, tangible glory of God came and filled the temple. Uh, That was just a, a, yeah, go and read it. Amazing, amazing time. But in the temple, there was this holy of holies. There were a whole bunch of different areas in the temple, but right in the middle was the holy of holies where only the high priest could go and only once a year after he'd gone through a whole range of sacrifices so that there was purification and all all this kind of stuff happening. So hopefully he was good enough to enter for a very short time into God's presence. And even so, he had a rope tied around his waist in case he died because it could be that overwhelming and people would drag out the body of the high priest if that's what happened. So that's how... I mean, God wanted to dwell with his people so much that even before Jesus sacrificed and before the Holy Spirit was poured out, he made his place with his people um, so that you know, Israel would be known as the people of God because, you know, as, as Moses said to God at one point, you know, if you don't come with us, what's the point? It's all about your presence with us. We, we don't want to be going with an angel. We want to be going with you because we are God's people. We are your people. Um, <clears throat> but at the death of Christ, the veil that was separating the Holy of Holies from everything else was torn from top to bottom because he no longer lives in a temple. He no longer lives in a building where people have to go and worship and there's a whole bunch of ritual and routine you've got to go through in order to even get close to him. He's poured out his spirit into our hearts so that we can be literally temples of the Holy Spirit as we walk around every day. Um, Again, imagine what the world would look like if we literally walked around knowing and living in accordance with the fact that we have the creator of the universe living inside of us, constantly aware of that. You know, there's one man who did that um, and he changed the world. And his name was Jesus. I think you can know him relatively well. Um, <clears throat> but his effectiveness at demonstrating the kingdom of God didn't come because he was God on earth. He emptied himself of his divinity, of his, his, of his God-likeness, if you like, to become a human. He literally came as a single cell and then as a baby born in absolute poverty um, and then grew up as a man here on earth. And he demonstrated to us what it means to live a life in complete surrender, in complete relationship, totally in love with the Father. Um, and what's more, he told us that we should do the same. His death enabled us to do the same. His death enabled the Holy Spirit to come and, and live in our hearts. But he's actually told us to do the same. Like, you know, before when I was reading, your heavenly Father, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, in, in our most faith-filled moments, we can go, yes, I believe that's possible. The reality probably from day to day for most of us is 
Yep, oh, stuffed up again. Um, I might get it right tomorrow. Um, but do we build our theology on what didn't go well, on what God didn't do or what we didn't do right? Or do we build our theology on what God is doing and what God has done and what God will do? Um, and it's the latter. We don't try to figure out why there was only one person healed at the Pool of Siloam. We focus on the fact that Jesus healed that lame man who'd been there for years and couldn't get to the water when it was stirred because other people beat him there. We build our theology on the fact that, you know, if there's 99 people in the room and one gets healed, yes, God healed somebody. Not, hmm, so you wonder why he didn't heal the rest. So let's focus on those moments in our lives that are our successes of when we've really connected well with God, we've really operated totally at another level to, to our human understanding, if that makes sense. We've, we've just walked in accordance with what he said, even if we haven't seen the miraculous happen. There have been plenty of times where I felt like God is saying, go and, go and pray for that person. They've obviously got some kind of injury and I'll pray for them. Any difference? No? All right. I'm going to pray again. Any difference? And, but it's a step of obedience. It's a step of doing what God says to do. And he's training us as much as he wants to see that person healed. So it's, it's not necessarily about the outcome. It's about the process a lot of the time. Is that making sense? Um, I've spent a, a quite a few um, years. I was going to the Mind, Body, Spirit Festival regularly that um, Phil Mason um, from New Earth Tribe goes to twice a year. Um, big New Age festival and we'd have this stall which they still do twice a year um, and we'd pray for people sometimes we'd see them absolutely blown away by God these people who just go like oh I want some kind of spiritual experience and other times you'd pray and nothing but it's not about what you see happen it's about your connection with God it's about doing what you see the Father doing um, I wasn't even going to say any of that. That's fine. Um, there's, there's an expression that... Uh, the, the expression goes, too heavenly-minded to be of any earthly use. Um, some of us may have heard that. Um, but I would challenge that thing. Uh, I'd say if you're earthly-minded, you're not of much kingdom use. Because Jesus tells us, if you think it's Paul, to be um, transformed by the renewing of our minds. Our, our mindset needs to be a kingdom mindset, not an earthly mindset. Our mindset says, there's a raging, uh, our kingdom mindset needs to be, there's a raging storm, but God said to go to the other side, so we're going to go despite the storm, even if we're walking on the water to get there. An earthly mindset says, don't, don't even bother, because that's too dangerous, and we're going to hold back and be safe. Um, a kingdom mindset says, God said go, so I'm going. Um, and that, that's, that makes sense, I'm sure. You know, there's absolutely no reason why we can't do that. There is no reason why we can't literally walk on water if that's what God tells us to do in the moment. One of the things that, that I really want to do before I die, because I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's a God thing, maybe it's just me, but you know, I'm going with that if it's important to me, it's important to God. If Jesus can walk on water and he said we can do greater things, I want to fly. Um, I've, 
I've heard of um, clairvoyance and, and, and other kind of new age guys levitating off the stage. If they can do it, and that's a counterfeit, and they're tapping into a, um, a, a lower spiritual authority than we have access to, and there's absolutely no reason that we can't defy the laws of gravity if that's what God is telling us to do. So, um, and it's not flying for the sake of flying. It's flying to give glory to God. Everything has to be about giving glory to Him, not about seeking glory for ourselves. So, dream big. Dream, dream crazy dreams like flying around the room um, because you're allowed to. Um, and kids like to imagine wild and fanciful things. Be a little kid in His presence again. Be a little kid. Go, oh God, what about what about if we if we flew to Mars? You know, because kids dream like that. We're allowed to be kids with Papa. Um, who believes that we can live a life so completely sinless, so completely in tune with God, that we change the world like Jesus did? Got a couple of hands, that's good. Um, I'm going to give you a, a, a challenge. If you don't believe that, then you're questioning the truth about what God said because he said we will do greater things than him. So just want to, you know, stir that a little bit. Um, so coming back to... If we are living as somebody who is, who is filled with the Spirit totally in love with God, totally set on fire with love for Him, walking in accordance with the, the things that He's got us designed for, our destinies, our personal destiny, our corporate destiny, we're going to change the world. And that's when, that's when we're going to be, as Finney said the other week, the thermostat, not the thermometer. We're going to set the temperature, not be affected by it. We're going to be the influencer and not the influence, and we're going to be the head, not the tail. That's what kingdom looks like. Kingdom looks like totally kids totally in love with Papa God doing the things that he gives them to do. And for each of us, that will be different. Corporately, that will be us coming together, um, sharing our individual experience of what God is like to build each other's faith and help each other get up to that next level. Um, why don't we all pray? Viv, do you want to come up? Um, and um, I want you guys to stand. I'm going to do what Deb does and get you to do your hands on hearts. So I want you to... To speak to your soul out loud and say, get ready to receive. Soul, get ready to receive God's love. Father, we just pray a release of your love over this room, a release of your presence. Would you just increase our awareness of you this week? We want to be so over the top, enamored with you. We want to be so impacted by our love. We want to walk through every single day acutely aware of what you're doing 
in us, through us, and around us. We want to see you working in the lives of people around us. We want to see you in nature. Would you increase our sensitivity to your voice? Would you increase our sensitivity to what you're leading us to do? But more than anything, Papa God, Daddy, would you just help us to come to a deeper and deeper revelation (laughs) that the God of the universe, the God of the angel armies, I get to call Dad. I get to call him. (sighs) He'll have a special name that you get to call him. Papa, Daddy. He is the lover of our souls. He is beyond our limited ability to describe in words. Father, would you just open our hearts to have a fresh revelation of you tonight? and throughout this week. Just ask Viv to play that last song that we played um, earlier. And when when we've finished that, we're we're done for the night. Um, If anybody... Is, has been struggling to connect with God, to connect with His heart, or you feel like you've kind of reached a bit of a ceiling as far as your experience of Him, I really want you to not go home until we've prayed for you. Because I want you to walk out here changed from when you walked in. We're, we're here to encounter God. We're here to really meet with Him and love on Him as He loves on us. And the most important thing about the Christian life is living aware of His love. So just encourage you, please, please, don't walk out of here until we've prayed for you, if that's, if that's where you're at. Oh uh-huh.